have spoken. And God, I will do my best to be obedient to you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people now. God, as we look at your word and we look at what you have to say to us. Lord, this is a profound responsibility. God, to do what you've called me to do. And uh, I'm going to do my best, Lord. I'm going to do my best to honor you, uh, following you, and listening to you and to you alone. So, Lord, be with me now as I speak your word. Lord, not under my own authority, but under the authority of Jesus Christ. God, you know, uh, you know how much is in my heart right now. The overwhelming feeling of your spirit, God, as you've spoken clearly. So, God, I'm asking for your guidance. Father, I'm asking for you to speak to your people. God, may I be your humble servant in whatever way you see fit. In the name of Jesus Christ, my King, our King, I do pray. Amen. So it doesn't happen often, but it happens sometimes that God changes the message. And it's really nerve-wracking when he does that. Uh, Brett, if you want to go ahead and start looking up 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, going to the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It would be the first two verses. And then I'm also going to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 49. But Brett, you don't have to have that on the screen. Oh, talk about an encounter with Jesus Christ and uh, talk about how profound it is and how it changes people. And here I am prepared in my mind thinking I know what I'm going to talk to you about because I think I've got it all figured out and sometimes when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ it changes everything sometimes the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you and says no you thought you knew but I'm going to show you that I know and this is just me being transparent in front of you guys um, I know what God has said to me in the past I don't know six eight minutes while I've been over there praying Asking God to speak directly to me. And I'm going to do my best to fumble through this scripture and speak to you under the authority of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It's a strange, surreal thing when God does this to me. Um, originally, I think we were supposed to be in Luke chapter 7, I believe it was. And Holly, I know that you're teaching the kids and you can continue with your teaching of Luke chapter 7, it'll be fine. Um, that's what they're learning about. So if their message doesn't line up with yours out here today, I apologize, but this is what God has told me to do. So I, we're in this series called Encounter, and uh, I was, I've been asking the question, I've asked this question of many people, um, that if, if you're in China, and I'm a Christian, and I'm telling people about Jesus Christ, I'm just, I'm telling them 
about this book that I have. And it talks about a man named Jesus who, who, who died for them, who died for their sins. And this book talks about his grace and it talks about how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to live in that light of Jesus Christ and how we're supposed to treat other people. And, and this book has that information. How do I convince them that this is true and whatever they have heard up until this point in their life is not true? Whether it's Hindu or, or, or Buddhism or whatever. I mean, Islam. I mean, whatever it is that they've heard. How do I convince them that this is truth and what they have heard all their life is not truth? How do, how do I show them? How do I say everything that you thought you knew, it was wrong, but, but this is what's true? And, and literally, I have been praying about this for a while. God, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I? And I really believe God took me to this particular passage just a minute ago. I had to look up something, and then it took me somewhere else, and then it landed me here. And it was like the answer to the question. So we're going to go through this passage, and we're going to look at what God has to say. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 11, it says this, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. It's because we understand. That's why we do it. That's why we spend over $1,000 to go to Haiti. That's why we spend over $3,000 to go to Uganda. That's why we spend over $4,000 to go to Nepal. That's why we spend $10,000 to raise money for a well in Nepal or Cambodia. That's why we do it. It's because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. And Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, God knows we are sincere. God knows we're sincere. Who cares about what anybody else thinks about us? Who cares how crazy anybody else thinks that we're all, we are? Who cares what other people say? Who cares what your brother says? Or your sister says, or your mom or your dad says, when you understand this sincere, fearful responsibility to the Lord, you work hard to persuade others. Who cares what anybody else says? When God calls you to do it, you do it because you don't care what anybody else says. He says, God knows we're sincere. He says, and I hope you know this too. It doesn't say you have to know this. It's important for you to know this. It's important for you to believe me. It, 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 it's, it's critical that you understand this. Know what he says, I hope. I just I hope that you get it. 
I know that God knows. I just, I hope that you do. I hope, I hope that you get it too. He says, are we commending ourselves to you again? He says, he says, are we lifting ourselves up to you? Is that why we're doing this? Is that our purpose? Is it for us to look big and, 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 and mighty and strong? Is that the purpose? He says, no, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us. You can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. He says, he says we're doing this. Because we have a sincere heart and that is our desire and that is our motivation and that is what we care about. It's not being boastful about what we have or the fact that we have a spectacular ministry. It is so that we can, we can look at this and we can say we have a sincere heart and we're doing what, it, what God has called us to do. And listen to what it says here in, in verse 13. It goes on to say, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If people look at you and they say, you want to spend $1,200, $1,300, $1,400 to go to Haiti? To minister to people that, 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 that may never listen to you? To talk to people that don't even speak the same language? You want to go there? That seems crazy to me. You, you, you're going you're gonna to live in a place where they have mosquitoes that can kill you. You want to go there where you have to take vaccinations so that you don't die. Where you may not have a shower every day. Where you may not eat food that you like. It seems crazy that you would do that. It says, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If it seems like we're not making sense, it's to bring glory to God. He says, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. He says, either we're making sense or we're not, it's still for your benefit. It's still for the purposes of you hearing this message. It's still for the purpose of you understanding what God is doing, what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is for that purpose. He said, either way. Either way, Christ's love controls us. If we're to be known as anything, as Christ's followers, if we're to be known as anything, as people of simple church, I want people to look at us and they say, this is what I know about those crazy people. Sometimes they make sense, but sometimes they don't. All I know about those people is that Christ's love controls them. They are motivated by one thing, and that is Christ's love. And it drives everything that they do. It's just since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who received this, his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This is what he says. It, 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 if you're going to live the transformed life, 
That's to live the Christ-like life. You see, he died for us so that we might have a new life. And if we have a new life in Christ, then we have that very same love that we're proclaiming. He, he says that that, that that old life that you used to have, the way that you used to, to always think, the old motivations, everything that you used to do, it's all dead now because you have a brand new life. And that brand new life is supposed to reflect the life of Christ and Christ's love is what drove Christ to the cross. And because of that, you have to live like that now. Your new life reflects Christ because Christ is in you and you are in Christ. That everything's different now. Christ's love controls you. It drives you. It does everything inside of you. You do nothing under your own motivation anymore. He says, whether we're crazy to you or we make perfect sense to you, it is all for your benefit. See, here's the thing. You know, I was thinking about how do I take this book and how do I convince somebody that this is truth and what they've always believed is wrong. And, and, and I was thinking, there, there's, there's God's word and it's true and there's the Holy Spirit and it's true and, and like I get it, okay? Like the Holy Spirit can move somebody's heart towards truth and, and, and I can show them the truth in God's word and, and those are two great things. But I was leaving out a piece of the puzzle. I was leaving out a crucial piece of the puzzle. It was me. It was me. When somebody looks at me and they see this this guy coming from the United States of America, traveling three hours on a plane ride, taking vaccinations, spending his own money, to come and tell them about this truth, risking the reality of malaria and dengue fever. Risking having all kinds of, of health issues as a result of coming down there. That is a part of the puzzle. When people look at that and they go, here's somebody that has come from the United States down here for what? For this message? I'm sure from their perspective, it looks like it's crazy too. I'm sure from their perspective, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that somebody would travel so far and spend so much money and do all of these things just to come to some hut in some backwoods area of Haiti to tell them that this is true. See, I was missing part of the puzzle. Look what it says in verse 16. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that everyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has come. He says that, that we used to have a different perspective. We looked at, at Christ from a human point of view and the fact that he walked around the earth. Yes, he performed heavenly miracles and no one can deny that. And yes, he was perfectly sinless and no one can deny that. But now, instead of just him walking around the earth, he dwells within us, and we dwell in him, and there's a whole different perspective on everything now. Every single thing has changed now. 
He says, we've got to stop looking from a human point of view at other people. We've got to look at people like Christ looks at other people. That has got to be our motivation. That has got to be our desire. Everything's got to be changed in the way that we view them. And he goes on to tell us about how God uses us. This transformed life that God has created in us. The old life is gone and the new life has come. When people look at us going to some remote place on the other side of the world, when people see us going into apartment complexes or housing complexes where it looks like we should be afraid for our own lives, when people see that, they see something different about that person. That person doesn't fit in. That person doesn't belong here. Why would they dare step foot in this area? They don't belong here. And the whole time, the gospel is screaming from our lives going, exactly. Exactly. You don't fit in. You don't belong. You don't look like you should be here. Exactly. Because you got a new life now. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. There's a difference in you. All of this and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. Who brought us back to Himself through Christ. You you see, you, you know what that means, right? Our sin separated us from God. Our sin put distance between us and God. And that distance had to be made up somewhere. The debt had to be paid. Now, let me me tell you something really quick about debt. If I loan you $5,000, $50,000, it's a lot of money, right? You say, man, that'd that'd be a huge loan. Now, I called you next week, and I said... You hadn't made your first payment on that loan of $50,000 that I gave you. What's going on? You said, I can't pay it. And I looked at you and I said, don't worry about it. The debt's been paid. The debt's taken care of. That debt didn't disappear. That debt was transferred from you to me. The debt wasn't wiped out. It was just transferred from one person to another. And the same thing is true of Jesus Christ. Is that the debt that was owed because of your sin, it wasn't just wiped away. It was transferred from you to his son. And it had to be paid. It didn't go away. It just it had to be paid, so it had to be transferred from one person to another, and it was transferred to the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it was a gift from God. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he transfer that debt from you to himself? To bring us back to himself. To bring us back to himself. Through his son. And we go back to what we said originally. And God has given us this task. 
of reconciling people to him. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That big word reconciliation just means to make things right. To to finally cancel out the debt and to make things right and, and to do away with the sin and to make things so that we could come to God. And this is where the rubber meets the road in verse 20. This is why we go to Haiti. This is why we go to Nepal. This is why we go to Uganda. This is why we raise money for wells in Cambodia. We are Christ's ambassadors. What is an ambassador? You ever think about that? I've been watching an old show recently, and it's, it's a political show about the presidency and stuff, and I've been looking at it on Netflix and they're ambassadors to other nations. Right? What does that ambassador do? There are ambassadors in other countries. And basically any, any country that we have foreign relations with, we have an ambassador to that country. What does an ambassador do? Well, a lot of times they speak a couple of languages. And the reason is because they have to take the information back from the United States and convey that to their own people. They have to be an interpreter, if you will, in a lot of ways. But they also have to, have to understand the intricacies of their own culture so that they can, they can take the information from, from the United States and convert that into what people in, in their area can understand. It's not just translating the languages, it's translating the culture as well. In a way that the message can be taken from one group of people and given to another group of people in a way that they can understand it. That's what an ambassador does. And when there's a need there, what do they do? They, go, they take that information from their country, go through the ambassador, and take it back to the United States. Right? That's our responsibility. God's called us to be ambassadors. Christ has called us to be his ambassadors. So what does that mean? We take this wonderful message of reconciliation and we take it to other people. And then when they don't understand or they have questions or they have problems, we are that intercessor and we go to them and say, let me take this to God for you. We're the ambassadors. We're the ambassadors. How can we be ambassadors? What credentials do we have? What, what, what gives us the badge to say, I'm an ambassador of Christ? A transformed life. The fact that the old life is dead and a new life has come and this person doesn't belong here and they don't look like they fit in and why are they here and it doesn't make sense and I don't understand why they'd spend money and, fear and risk disease and all this stuff to come here. It's because they're ambassadors. Because that's what ambassadors do. A lot of times they come to the United States and they go and live in in foreign countries and they live in the risk and fear of attack. That they won't, the people don't like the United States presence there, so they'll attack the embassy or where the ambassadors are. Well, that's, that's part of the struggle that comes with being an ambassador of Christ, too. 
is that we live under the fear of attack. And we live under the fear of somebody looking at us and saying, that's the reason things are changing because of that person right there. And not everybody is happy with that. But we're supposed to carry this wonderful message of reconciliation that Christ has gave us because we are living that transformed life. Because we're living in, in the reality of what Christ has done for us. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Can you believe that I was sitting here praying about God's word and his Holy Spirit? How to convey that to people that don't understand and, and maybe don't even speak the same language. And I was missing the key piece of the information. And that was that it's through us. That I didn't see my own testimony as, as one of the main key elements of going. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gospel tracts or, or anything wrong with an evangel cube in order to be able to share the gospel and tell them about what Jesus Christ has done. But if you leave out your testimony, you're leaving out the key piece of information. If you don't say, this is what I used to be, and now this is what I am in Christ Jesus, and look at this evangel cube, and let me show you what he did, and this is the reason that I'm different. Or let me read from you the word of God, and let me tell you why I'm different now. If you leave out your testimony, you're leaving out the most important thing. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. We speak for Christ. We speak for Christ. Can you even believe that? Can you even wrap your mind around that? When he says, we speak for Christ, when we say, come back to God. I can't even wrap my mind around that. Why would Christ even bother to use me? As wicked and as evil and as nasty as I know myself to be. And he speaks through me for the purpose of telling people to come back to God. Listen, listen. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be our sin offering. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's your answer. How could God use us? How could God use us to speak for Christ? How in the world does that even compute? How in the world does that even make sense? He took the one who had never sinned. And he took the one that doesn't do anything but sin. Which is you and I. And he transferred the debt from all of us to him. And he didn't deserve any of it. And he died so, so that we could have a new life. For the purpose of us having a new life. So now, beginning in verse 6, it says this, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and ignore it. We're taking this message and we beg you, don't ignore it. Listen to the message. Listen to what is being said here. It says, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. 
Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I want to read to you for just a minute out of Isaiah chapter 49 where this particular passage comes from. In Isaiah chapter 49, beginning of verse 8, it says this. This is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. I will protect you and give you to the people as my covenant with them. Though I will reestablish the land of Israel and assign it to its own people again. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom. And to those in darkness, come into the light. They will be my sheep grazing in green pastures on the hills that were previously bare. They will never hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore. For the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them beside cool waters. He will make my mountains into level paths for them. The highways will be raised above the valleys. See, my people will return from far away. They'll come back to me. They'll return from far away, from the lands to the north and west, and from as far, far away as Egypt. Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that was possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. If you etched a name on the palm of your hand right now, You would never, ever forget it. And that is just how important we are to the almighty God of this universe. He has taken our names and carved it into the palm of his hand. He said, even if a mother could not care for her nursing child, I couldn't do that to you. I will never forget you. And he made that promise through the person of Jesus Christ, and transfer the debt from, him, from us to him. And this is what he says. Don't forget it. Be my ambassadors. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Is there anybody here that doesn't know him? You're not an ambassador of Christ because Christ doesn't live in you and you don't live in him. And you know that. And you want to give your life to him. You want to say enough's enough. I want to live a transformed life. I want to die to my old self and be raised to a new life with him. Is there anybody in this place that feels that way? And you know the God of the universe is calling you to salvation. And he is telling you right now, today is the day of salvation. Is there anybody in this place that feels like that? I'm going to give an invitation for people to stand. You know I've done this before. I don't know if anybody will stand. My job is to be an ambassador of Christ. My job is to tell people the truth. My job is to say, 
I have a transformed life. See, I was an idiot before. I didn't care anything about God. My life did not reflect the love of Jesus Christ. It only reflected the love of Kenny Nix for Kenny Nix. But Christ came in. And he changed everything about me. And I'm not the same as I used to be. There was a time in my life where Jesus Christ spoke directly to my heart. And he said, right now, this time, today is the day of salvation for you. If there's anybody in this place that feels like that that's what God's calling them to do, to give their life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you a chance to stand. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to ask you to stand. A lot of people in a lot of churches will say, well, you need to have people close their eyes and bow their heads, and we'll have people raise their We don't do that here. If you can't stand in here, you'll never stand for Christ. You'll never be bold for the gospel of Jesus Christ if you can't stand in here. And we'll count down to one. Three, if God's calling you to salvation, please don't ignore him. Don't, li- don't ignore his voice and listen to the voice of the opposition, which is telling you there'll be another day, another time, when God is telling you right now, this time, today is the day of salvation for you. Two, I know you're scared. I know you're terrified of what this will mean in my life if I stand. What will it mean? How will I be transformed in such a way that I won't even look like my old self? How will, how will this be different I don't know what that looks like. Don't be scared. Some of the most wonderful times in your life come immediately after you're terrified. Whether it's your wedding day, having your first child, some of the most amazing times in your life come immediately after you were scared out of your mind. One. Everything inside of you will tell you not to stand. Everything inside of you will tell you, I'm not supposed to. But Christ will tell you to stand. Christ will tell you to stand. I beg you to listen to him and to him alone. Zero. Is there anybody that will stand and say, I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ? I need to become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Anybody at all? Anybody that will be bold enough to stand? I don't mind awkward silences. It's the most important thing in your life. There's people that didn't stand, and they know they should have. I hope you won't live your life like that. I hope you won't continue to listen to the enemy and not listen to the Holy Spirit of God that tells you to stand it's the only unforgivable sin is to constantly reject the truth of Christ to constantly live in rejection of the fact that he is Lord and he is Savior and you're not acknowledging that before men my prayer is that you'll respond to Jesus Christ Christians, are you the ambassador of Jesus Christ that you're supposed to be? The reality is if you're not, then you're probably not a Christian. You've been lying to yourself. But if you are a Christian, then you know you're not the ambassador that you're supposed to be.
Will you be? Will you respond to him fully? Live sacrificially for the gospel of Christ? And say, nothing else matters. I don't care who looks at me funny. I don't care what they say about me. The only thing that matters is this wondrous, wonderful message of reconciliation, and that's all that matters. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Lord, thank you for the challenge of your word. Father, only you know if there are people out there that didn't stand. Only you know if there are people out there that did not respond to you the way that they were called to. And Lord, that is completely in your hands, and I trust you with that. I just pray that those people, whoever they are, God would not continue to live that way. God, but they would turn their lives towards you, turn away from themselves. God, so that you might be glorified through them. And then for the Christian, Lord, the Christ follower, who says, I'm not the ambassador of Christ that I'm supposed to be. I have forgotten the message. I have forgotten the fact that I am a key part of that message. Lord, for them, I pray and I beg and I ask you, God, break their hearts wide open. Show them that they are ambassadors of Christ and they have a responsibility, a wonderful responsibility to take the message of reconciliation to this world. God, speak to us. May we respond and may you receive glory and honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, our King, I do pray. Amen. Would everyone please stand?